continue now with lipid digestion and absorption in the small intestine. And the big picture to start out with of digestion and absorption of lipids is more complex. So in the mouth, we had this lingual lipase that is mostly not active but is swallowed. And in the stomach, we have lingual and gastric lipase. They degrade milk tags. What was special for triacylglycerols in milk? They have medium chain fatty acids. And that digestion does not need bile salts. It can happen just in the stomach. Now, in, here in your cartoon here, it's, it is not mentioned, but it is important for you to know, as that is the treatment for cystic fibrosis treat, uh, patients, where you can help with the diet. And you should know also that the babies with their lingual and gastric lipase start already to digest the tags in their stomach without the bile salts. Now, in the small intestines, we have pancreatic enzymes, and they need bile salts for lipid degradation. And they, the enzymes will degrade lipids and form free fatty acids, monoacylglycerols, and free cholesterol. And once they are now in the lumen, they need micelles for uptake, and they become again with the bile salts. After uptake into the intestinal mucosa cells, the, that is the only time that the liver does not want the food group. So the liver wants all the amino acids. The liver wants all the sugars. But it said, <laughs> no lipids, please. As what does the, the liver do at that time? At that time, it handles the high blood glucose levels and synthesizes fatty acids and puts them into VLDL and gets rid of them. So definitely the liver does not want the dietary fats, and the intestinal mucosa cell says, you must be kidding, I don't want it either. But how do I get rid of this? I don't want to store these. So the intestinal mucosa cell, as you know, makes chylomicrons, and we put the dietary lipids in there, and the chylomicrons, are they released into the blood or into the lymph? Into the lymph first, and then uh, at the thoracic duct here, they, they reach the blood circulation. Very good. So that is uh, something to think about, and if you have a patient that has problems with uh, bile acid synthesis or uh, then they cannot have a, a good lipid digestion. Yeah? All right. Now, we said bile salts and bile acids. Well, let's first talk about bile salts for emulsification, as that's what we need. Bile salts are negatively charged. Now, bile itself is an alkaline fluid generated by the liver, stored in the gallbladder. Here you have here the green gallbladder, and I said if, uh, as you have in the bile also free cholesterol, if the bile salts and cholesterol uh, um, amount to each other is out of balance, then you can have gallstones there. And the hepatocytes, they make the bile, and they release by active transport into the bile, bile salts, phospholipids, mostly phosphatidylcholine, and we see what that does, free cholesterol, and conjugated bilirubin. So here there's a nice uh, picture. You have your stomach, you had your acidic chyme that was leading to secretin release. Secretin led to a bicarbonate release from uh, the pancreas and water, so you neutralized here in the duodenum the pH and you have also CCK was released, and the pancreatic juice comes with the zymogens and enzymes, and cholecystokinin, as the name says, contracted the gallbladder, and we have the bile now. So we have everything together ready to go. Now, what are the main functions of bile? First of all, transport of free cholesterol and conjugated bilirubin from the liver into the duodenum, 
and for eventually release of free cholesterol in feces. So a little bit of uh, uh, the whole cholesterol metabolism is difficult as we cannot degrade it in humans. So a little bit of free cholesterol can be put into the bile and makes it out and is meant to be excreted in feces. Secondly, what's the function of bile? Delivering, uh, delivery of conjugated bile salts, and PC stands for phosphatidylcholine, into the small intestine, and that leads to emulsification of lipids. When you have a lipid droplet and you have chicken soup and eat it and you stir it a little bit, then you have many small droplets. That's what the body needs. So then you can attack these triacylglycerols better. So you emulsify and you use conjugated bile salts to do that. And as you will see, phosphatidylcholine will be cleaved by pancreatic phospholipase A2 to a free fatty acid and to a lysophosphatidylcholine. Both molecules have detergent character. Both molecules emulsify. So, and then last but not least, we need mixed micelles for the uptake of the lipids into the intestinal mucosid cells. Do you remember what, what we form in lipid digestion? Free fatty acids, monoacylglycerol, free cholesterol. And these molecules are not taken up by itself into the intestinal mucosid cells. They need a mixed micelle which helps that. And these mixed micelles have uh, bile salts. And last but not least, about 5% of the bile salts are released into feces. Now, 95% are taken up again into the liver. And that makes a lot of sense. If the liver makes bile salts for lipid digestion, if it would not recycle, so to say, 95%, it wouldn't have anything else time to do anything else. It would be overwhelming, synthesizing, synthesizing bile salts. So the majority, 95%, are taken up into the liver. 5% are released. And as you know that bile salt acids, primary bile acids, are synthesized from cholesterol, this is another way to get rid of cholesterol in form of bile acid. Yeah? As now the liver looks and said, oh, I lost five of my nice stack, 5%. I have to go and get cholesterol and make new bile acids. Yeah, are you with me so far? Good. That's the big picture. And I found here nice uh, graphs for bile contains primary and secondary bile salts and transports free cholesterol. We will come to the primary and secondary bile salts in a minute, but let's now look at the cholesterol. I have here this arrow. Here's free cholesterol. This little yellow slice is conjugated bilirubin, and you see the majority of the components are primary bile salts and secondary bile salts and phospholipids, and that is phosphatidylcholine. So why do we have the bile salts? I have here the solubility of free cholesterol in water. Here you have free cholesterol, and increased by 100,000 times by bile salts. And if you add a little bit of phosphatidylcholine, it even is a little bit better. Yeah, Are you with me so far? So that is the compositions, and the phospholipids are mainly phosphatidylcholines. Now, what's the difference between a bile acid and a bile salt? And now here it gets really tricky. As I can only tell you what is agreed upon, how to name things. So bile acids is an acid. They have a pKa of 6. And at a pH of 7, you have a mixture of charged and uncharged molecules. pKa means at pKa of 6 for a bile acid means at pH 6, 50% is charged, 50% is uncharged. Now, you want charged molecules. And at a pH 7 in the duodenum, 7 to 8, 
then you have a mixture. Now, in order to get these bile acids into the bile, you have to make even more molecules that are absolutely negatively charged at pH 7. And that is needed for the hepatic ABC transporters. So, for example, if I want to uh, have here a bile acid and I have here the ABC transporter and it's a mixture of charged or not, it's not good as they want absolute negative charge. And now I'm the liver and I make a trick. I conjugate this bile acids with glycine or taurine. And these molecules for sure are negatively charged. And now I can put that through the ABC transporter into the bile. So these negatively charged bile salts, how we call it then, are even better in emulsification. So I have two things that I, first of all, I want them through the ABC transporter. ABC transporter says free bile acid, forget it. Make a conjugated bile acid that definitely is negatively charged. And that, as they are always at um, pH 7 charged, that's why we call those conjugated bile acids by salts. So, and now not to confuse you, but to help you with the confusion, no. If I have an acid and I have a charge, it's a salt, right? So if I have cholic acid, I can make the salt cholate. I call it cholate. That's a salt. But that is not a bile salt in medicine. And bile salt in medicine, it has to be conjugated with glycine or taurine. Are you understanding that? So whenever we say the conjugated, we rub that in. But you should know that bile salts are bile acids that are conjugated, and only the liver can do that with glycine or taurine. And they are negatively charged. Now, if I look at bile acids by itself, here you have cholic acid. Of course, here you have acid part, the negative charge. It has a hydrophobic and a hydrophilic side. We call this amphipathic. And it can emulsify neutrolipids. Like with the hydrophobic side, it can go to a triisoglycerol. And with the polar side, the hydrophilic side, and with this negative charge here, it can interact with the water phase. Now, as the pKa for cholic acid is only 6, we want to make sure that here we have always a negative charge here. And that is why the cholic acid will be conjugated with glycine or taurine at this part here, so that we always have a negative charge. Now, then to make it also difficult, what's the difference between a primary and secondary bile acid? So we are still at the acid here. The primary bile acids are synthesized only in the liver and from free cholesterol. So only the liver can synthesize primary bile acids. And you should know the two names. It's cholic acid and kinodeoxycholic acid. Now the primary bile acids will be used to make primary bile salts conjugation with glycine or taurine, put it into the bile, and the bile will reach the duodenum, and there we start the digestion. Eventually, in that form, you see when you come to the ileum, there you encounter bacteria. And these bacteria see that, and they change the structure of a primary bile acid. And we call this then a secondary bile acids. So to make that totally clear, only the liver can synthesize primary bile acids from free cholesterol. Then makes primary bile salts, puts it into the duodenum eventually. Here, after we come to the area where we have bacteria in the, in the intestine, these bacteria see that they deconjugate it and they modify the structure. 
And that structure is called now secondary bile acid. So they are not synthesizing bile acids from scratch. They modify a primary bile acid that was formed in the liver, and now it's a secondary bile acid. And I said the liver wouldn't have much time to do anything else if it couldn't recycle these bile acids. It takes up primary and secondary bile acids, their salts, 95%. The primary bile acids, and you should know these two names, lead to deoxycholic acid from cholic acid and kinodeoxycholic acid, this strange name, also comes into a strange name, lithocholic acid. Yeah, so cholic acid, deoxycholic acid. Kinodeoxycholic acid to lithocholic acid. So again, liver only can synthesize primary bile acids. And here you have the bacteria that modify those structures, and then we have secondary bile acids. As a summary, only the liver synthesizes primary bile acids, and you have already learned about the name cholesterol 7-alpha-hydroxylase here. And it conjugates primary and secondary bile acids with glycine or taurine. Here in this handout, glycine is shown with a pKa of 4, and here should be, as it is now, taurine with a pKa of 2. Now, glycine is more available than taurine, so we have more taurine uh, glycine for conjugation with primary and secondary bile acids. And the release, only the liver releases conjugated bile salts and free cholesterol into the bile canalically via the ABC transporters. So only the liver does that. Now we have the functions of bile salts. We have here obviously here the gallbladder and here the bile should come into the duodenum where the pancreatic duct also comes in. And you see here you have a lipid droplet and these bile salts here are with a hydrophobic side cover the lipid droplet and to, with a polar more hydrophilic side they are to the water phase. So the function of bile salts, first of all, we said, has transport of free cholesterol and conjugated bilirubin in the bile from the liver into the duodenum that is shown here. Now you have the first part, first function of bile salts is done. That was transport free cholesterol away from the liver into the intestine for eventually release in feces. And now the second function comes. Now that these bile salts are in the intestinal, they emulsify dietary lipids for digestion. And we need it for pancreatic enzymes. So the first function was just get rid of the, some of the free cholesterol and make sure that we don't have cholesterol gallstones. Bring it safely into the duodenum and then eventually in the feces. And secondly now, if they are not in the intestine, we cannot make the dietary lipid digestion. That is the second uh, job that they have to do. And your job is to figure this out. And I warn you, this is, you can bite your fingernails on that. But one thing I asked students, do you, is, is it too difficult? They said, no, then it finally clicks, and now I understand it. As it's always mixed up, what is a bile acid, bile salt, primary, secondary, and so forth.
Use your notes to figure it out. Nobody expects you to know it by now. Okay. As I said, it's a very difficult question, and but if you go through the molecules one by one and see, is it a primary bile salt? So you had to differentiate between a primary and secondary bile salt and acids. Kinodeoxycholate is the salt of the primary bile acid, kinodeoxycholic acid. That's why I said it's, it, you can name them all cholate. They are all cholates, actually, but it does not g give you the information whether it's a bile salt. Lithocholate, is it a primary uh, or a secondary bile acid? secondary bile acid from kinodeoxycholic acid, right? Glycocholate, what is that? Cholic acid conjugated with glycine. Is that a primary bile acid, cholic acid? Yes. So if it's conjugated with glycine, is it primary bile salt? Yes. That's the correct answer. Cholate is only a bile acid primary bile acid, and torodeoxycholate is conjugated with taurine, is a bile salt, but deoxycholate, it's a secondary bile salt. So forgive me with that, but it helps you to understand, you have to watch out when a bile salt is always a conjugated bile acid. All right. Now something easy. Pancreatic lipase, it's a lipase, obviously it cleaves lipids. See, a lipase cleaves neutral lipids like triisoglycerols. A phospholipase does not touch triisoglycerols, it would touch phospholipids. But a lipase has a triisoglycerols here and it is named where it was synthesized, pancreatic lipase. Pancreatic lipase reaches with the pancreatic juice, the duodenum here. Here it's where it comes in. And it's secreted together with the protein procolipase. And as you remember now, procolipase is a protein that is cleaved by trypsin to colipase. And that protein helps as a coenzyme. It's not a coenzyme, but a co-helper lipase and its action. The digestion of the dietary triisoglycerols by pancreatic lipase needs bile salts and that is stimulated by CCK. So it's a totally different ball game now. We had early lipid digestion in the stomach but that was gastric lipase and Lingual lipase, they were fine in the high proton concentration, and they targeted mostly triisoglycerols with medium-chain fatty acids. They would take some others too, but mostly the medium-chain fatty acids. Here I'm having now the majority of the food, and the majority of the food has triisoglycerols with long-chain fatty acids. And here the enzyme from the pancreas couldn't do anything when it doesn't have bile salts. It needs the emulsification. And it needs also colipase. Now, question is, pancreatic lipase, is it synthesized as zymogen or not? What did I synthesize as zymogens? All the proteases, all the enzymes that cleave proteins as they would cleave the proteins in, uh, in the pancreas. 
I have to synthesize phospholipase A2 as a proenzyme. Otherwise, it would cleave the phospholipid membranes. Do I have triisoglycerols in the healthy pancreas? No. So there's no substrate for the pancreatic lipase. Plus, it would need bile salts and it would need colipase. And colipase is still in the pancreas as procolipase. So pancreatic lipase is not synthesized as a zymogen. There is a problem in certain disease states where we have access for this molecule for triisoglycerols and uh, hypertriisoglycerolemia, and that can activate pancreatic lipase in the pancreas, and then you have acute pancreatitis. But that is a very, very rare abnormal state. Now, the digestion of dietary tags needs first emulsification. We have bile salts. We have lysophosphatidylcholine and free fatty acids generated from uh, phospholipase A2. We have the bowel movements to form small lipid droplets. And now we have colipase is needed. And you see here when this uh, triisoglycerol here in yellow, and the green parts here are the bile salts. They are covering it up. And if I'm now pancreatic lipase, I'm finally here. I see this, my target, my triisoglycerol mixture, and I want to get to it. I cannot. It's all covered up by bile salts. Yeah, cannot go there. So I need the bile salts to emulsify it, but at the same time, if I don't get help, I cannot reach my target. And here colipase comes, reaches out with a hand, and anchors me. Yeah? So you see here the colipase in pinkish pushes the bile salts away. This is a little, little thing. It's a protein. Pushes it away, anchors. And now I can do my job. So I need as pancreatic lipase, I need the bile salts so that the triisoglycerols, the dietary triisoglycerols get emulsified. But I need colipase to help me getting to my target. And I have anyway a very tough job as I'm working at a lipid water interface. Very, very dangerous, a, a difficult situation to put this. And now I start to cleave. What is my purpose? What is the purpose of pancreatic lipase? To cleave all three fatty acids from triisoglycerols or to make a molecule that can go into intestinal mucosa? To make a molecule that goes in into the intestinal mucosa. So I snip one and I have a diisoglycerol, still doesn't go in. I snip it on the other side. I leave the one, the fatty acid in the middle. It's easier for me to do. So I click the two from the sides. And now I have a monoacylglycerol. And that goes in. And I said, okay, mission accomplished. I don't have to cleave that fatty acid that is still there. So it's a very different purpose when you have lipases. You can ask yourself, what's the purpose of it? For pancreatic lipase, the only purpose is make a molecule that can go in, as we want it in the, the, the food, the lipid, into the intestinal mucosa. Triisoglycerols cannot go in. Diisoglycerols don't go much in. Monoisoglycerols, no time is in. So that is why the pancreatic lipase cleaves only to monoisoglycerols. And I have that here in a cartoon. So the monoacylglycerol with the fatty acid in the middle is already ready to go into the intestinal mucosa. So I have the pancreatic lipase, it makes the fatty acids and monoacylglycerol. I have cholesterol esterase that cleaves the fatty acid here from cholesterol 
and I have another fatty acid and free cholesterol, and then I still should think about pancreatic phospholipase A2. A2 means I cleave the acyl group in position 2. A phospholipid here is a glycerophospholipid for fatty acid acyl group in position 1, acyl group in position 2. A2 cleaves the acyl group in position 2. And then we have a fatty acid here and a lysophosphatidylcholin. Both molecules have detergent character. And that is what happens, for example, in a heart attack. I work with lipids and heart attack, myocardial infarction and prevention. Once these phospholipases get activated, they cleave the fatty acids. And then you have lysis of membranes if you don't have the energy to put that fatty acid back in. So they both together have very high uh, detergent character and destroy the phospholipid membranes. Okay, the two first functions we had talked about, transportation of free cholesterol, conjugated bilirubin into the bile, emulsification of dietary lipids for digestion by pancreatic enzymes, and now we come to three and four, where we form mixed micelles for uptake of lipid uh, and into the mucosa cell. And number five, four, if I can release 5% of bile salts, they have also the function to get rid of cholesterol indirectly. As now in the liver, I have to synthesize new bile acids and I can use cholesterol to do so. Here is a mixed micelle, and you have here the fatty acids. You know, sometimes we forget how, how a fatty acid really looks like. And here, look at this. This is a fatty acid, all this long carbohydrate chain. This is a monoacylglycerol, as mostly we are just saying that's a fatty acid residue, but they are these long lipids. There's another monoacylglycerol. And we need this in order to take it up into the intestinal mucosa cells. This cartoon helps to tell the story what happens now. So we put, picked up two monoacylglycerol here, up here, you see fat-soluble vitamins. That is an important part, too. They also go into the chylomicrons, and we have talked about uh, chylomicron metabolism. But if you have now two monoacylglycerol, I said the, li the liver doesn't want the long-chain uh, fatty acids and the triacylglycerols. I said, forget it. Intestinal mucosa cell does not want to store that either. And see now what the intestinal mucosa cell is subjected to, all these long-chain fatty acids. These long-chain fatty acids have detergent character. And when I said it was wanted outside in the lumen to emulsify the dietary lipids, it definitely is not wanted in the intestinal mucosa cell. So these fatty acids have to be activated immediately, and you no fatty acyl-CoA synthetase makes activated fatty acyl-CoA. Now, two monoacylglycerol cannot be stored in intestinal mucosa cell, and what we do now is we use these activated fatty acids and in a totally unbelievable MAG pathway, and only happening in intestinal mucosa cell, we synthesize triacylglycerols. And the reason that we can do it is as we can start with monoacylglycerol. And only the pancreatic, um, pancreatic lipase had the function, make a molecule that can go in. If the pancreatic lipase would cleave all three fatty acids and free glycerol would go in, it would be much more complex, like all the other cells have to synthesize triacylglycerols. But it seems that the intestinal mucosal cell gets a break. Think about a majority of our food, a lot of fat. 
And if there is a compli complicated synthesis pathway to make tags and put them into chylomicrons, that wouldn't be fair to the intestinal mucosa. Sir. So they can start already with monoacylglycerol, just add two activated fatty acids, and they have triacylglycerol. This special MAC pathway is for tag synthesis is always tested. So when it shows up later, think about it. Okay. And last but not least, these chylomicrons have now tags, cholesterol ester. You also, from the free cholesterol that you pick up, also needs to be esterified, so that is totally nonpolar. And then they go inside the chylomicrons. You remember lipoproteins have a phospholipid monolayer, and the inside here, the chylomicrons have triacylglycerols, cholesterol ester, and fat-soluble vitamins. And they are released as they have ApoB48 into the lymphatic system. And you see here how that happens. This cartoon brings it up again, just for you to be remembered. The liver only wants the chylomicron remnants. What, is, what do you find in chylomicron remnants? The lipid-soluble vitamins and the cholesterol esters. Why would the liver want the cholesterol esters? Well, the liver has to decide, do I want to synthesize cholesterol, yes or no? If it comes from the diet, I can spare myself the work. But if not, and if we have a totally cholesterol-free diet, the liver will synthesize cholesterol. Why? What do we need mostly in all the cells cholesterol for? Plasma membrane. Plasma membrane. So that's in both layers. You remember that. Okay. So here the chylomicrons are filled with dietary lipids. They will enter the blood circulation eventually. The dietary tracts, attacks and chylomicrons are cleaved in the capillaries, mostly around the heart, and well as muscle and fat cell by lipoprotein lipases. The lipoprotein lipase in the heart is insulin independent. The heart always wants these fatty acids for energy metabolism, as it's so much better. But in fat cells, that lipoprotein lipase is influenced by insulin, and it leads, needs activation by insulin for its synthesis. Form fatty acids will be used for energy metabolism in the heart and muscle, or for storage fat cells as triacylglycerols. Again, insulin, very important. Like in most of the pathways, whatever you think, always think about insulin, glucagon, and blood glucose levels. So the chylomicron remnants, then they are taken up by remnant receptors. And for those who still want to think about it, the remnant receptor needed APOE as for entry. And then they can go into the liver and by endocytosis. All right. This is so-called Trotz cartoon. Not very pretty, but special. So here you see the intestinal mucosa. I'm, I'm very visual, and I can read things. If I can bring it into a cartoon, I can work much better, and I was told by many of you, you, you feel similar. So here you have the intestinal mucosa cell. The cholesterol will be taken up. Monoacylglycerol and fatty acids are taken up with mixed micelles here. And then you make chylomicrons, and you have resynthesized tags in the MAG pathway. You have made cholesterol esters. The free cholesterol has now a fatty acid and is totally unpolar, and the lipid-soluble vitamins. They are all in the chylomicrons, and they are put out into the lymph. The nucleotides I have here in green. You have the mononucleotides eventually, and you will cleave 
to pyrimidines, ribose, and deoxyribose, and they will go directly into the portal vein, to the liver. What does not go to the liver and is already degraded in the intestinal mucosid cells are the purines. And you have here uric acid already. That's why you, the purines never make it to the liver and the uric acid is already formed in the intestinal mucosa itself and needs to be getting rid of. Here come in red the amino acids. They have sodium co-transport, secondary active transport, and towards the portal vein facilitated transport. The transporters are for groups of amino acids. They can be overlapping. And here comes fructose that goes via GLUT5 into the intestinal mucosa cell and goes into the portal vein via GLUT2. And you have glucose or galactose, sodium co-transport, secondary active transport with SGLT1. Either glucose or galactose is taken up and all the sugars go to the liver. So this is practically everything that tells you the story. Now, if we understand it, we can think, how is the liver able to provide sufficient bile salts? And you have it here that at the ileum, we have reabsorption, 95% reabsorption into the liver. And we reabsorb primary and secondary bile acids. The ileum lumen is there. Ileum has already bacteria. That's why you find secondary bile acids there. And the liver gets 95%. And what does the liver do? It has still both bile acids need to be conjugated with glycine or taurin. And it releases again as bile salts into bile for another cycle. And you remember the bile salts are negatively charged at neutral pH, conjugation with glycine or taurin. Now here, after I recycle those, the liver doesn't mind. It's the primary bile acid or it's a secondary bile acid. As the function and the, P, the, the charge is the same, there is no difference in function. All right. Now, normally I don't read the summaries, but this one I want, as it brings it again together, as I want you to hear it, that it's doable to learn it. In the moment, I can imagine that, oh my God, all these bile salts, I hope they are not on the exam. And how many questions can they make anyway? Right? So, I know, I was a student myself, and I'm still a student in learning always new stuff. But here, when we make a summary regarding bile salts. We can say if we have primary bile acids, they are only formed in the liver. Hepatocytes use free cholesterol for the synthesis, and they synthesize cholic acid and kinodeoxycholic acid. Now, secondary bile acids are formed from primary bile acids by intestinal bacteria mainly found in the ileum. They come a little bit over from the large intestine already, whereas most of the uh, is bacterium-free. So here they grab a cholic acid and make a deoxycholic acid. They take a kinodeoxycholic acid and make a lithocholic acid. Now, both primary and secondary bile acids they are conjugated with glycine or taurin only in the liver. And the conjugated bile acids are named bile salts as they are negatively charged in the duodenum. The liver releases bile salts and puts in phosphatidylcholine, small amount of free cholesterol, and an even smaller amount of conjugated bilirubin into the bile, which then enters the duodenum. Bile salts now did their first job, and now they are needed to emulsify dietary lipids for lipid digestion by pancreatic enzymes. 
and they are also needed later for the uptake of the degradation products and they form mixed micelles. 95% of the bile salts are taken up again into the liver via the enterohepatic circulation. 5% are lost in feces and the liver uses free cholesterol for synthesis of primary bile acids. So you see when you take the time to read it, it brings it all together and I think you, you have a better understanding about bile salts and the confusing naming. Now, here we have possible causes of steatorrhea, fatty feces. could be lack of conjugated bile salts. It can be that the liver is damaged. That includes liver cirrhosis and cannot make bile salts. Or the bile duct is obstructed by gallstones or by pancreatic tumor. Then we have defects related to the pancreatic juice. The enzymes might be deficient or lack of transport of enzymes like in the individuals with cystic fibrosis where you don't have the watery phase and all these proteins make protein clocks and the enzymes cannot be transported to the duodenum. Or it could be also lack of bicarbonate secretion which would then not uh, lead to the right adjustment of the pH. And last but not least, defective mucosal cells. And it could be also due to a shortened ball. Cholelithiasis is cholesterol gallstone disease. You have reduction of hepatic bile salt secretion, increased bilaric cholesterol secretion. So the solubility that was so uh, critical is out of uh, balance and you have gallstones from cholesterol. Mostly gallstones are cholesterol gallstones. You have some in bilirubin, they look reddish, but mostly they are yellowish here like cholesterol gallstone. And of course if you have bile duct obstruction with gallstones then you cannot digest dietary lipids and they are lacking there to emulsify the lipids and to uptake the digestive lipids. Goldstones can lead to pancreatitis, and we only can describe that goldstones block the pancreatic duct, preventing the enzymes, then they cannot be released. And it seems that the enzyme trypsin is prematurely active in the pancreas by whatever reasons. It's very abnormal and people battle in different publications. They say exactly like this and other publications said no, it's not like this. I want you to realize that once you block it, you have premature activation of trypsin, which normally is not at all wanted. You have, it, you have even a trypsin inhibitor protein going in. It's so critical not to have a premature activation, but it happens and then you have uh, this trypsin activates the other zymogens, including the pancreatic phospholipase A2. And the digestive enzymes are not secreted into the duodenum. And individuals also dealing with that are individuals with cystic fibrosis. You know they have CFTR deficiency, and you have here dried mucus. And the pancreatic enzymes don't make it into the duodenum. So CF patients have chronic pancreatitis, steatorrhea, and are undernourished. And here now that you know about the gastric and lingual lipase, you know that you can give a food addition uh, in tags with medium chain uh, fatty acids or food rich in carbohydrates. It seems that the Pancreatic alpha amylase is still uh, doing a good job, even if only a small amount makes it into the duodenum. And I have my last clicker question for you.
right. Once you are done, that is fine if you go to your well-deserved break now. And the correct answers. All right? Okay. If you have questions, I'm still here. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're very kind.